The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Hot Ones, Lifehouse Church Edition. So here today I have with me Patrick Grash. That's right. He is the lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, uh, but also the leader of the Lifehouse Network, which plants churches all over the world. He's a husband and a father who successfully raised three girls and then decided to start all over again with three boys <laughs> later. But he's also known as our running pastor, whose tales of hospitalization after marathons are legendary. So <laughs> welcome, Patrick. That's right. So first of all, do you know what you're getting yourself into today? No, and to be honest, when I heard the title like Hot Ones, I felt really awkward. So I just want to make this really clear. We are not suggesting that we're the hot ones. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty sure this has something with a show called The Hot Ones. Am I right? Like, that's all I know. Yes, you haven't seen it. You have no, no idea. No what, idea. No idea what you're getting into. Okay. Generally, I think this is a bad idea. Yeah, probably. But here we are. Probably. All right, so it is a show where we will be, I will be asking you a series of progressively more intense questions as we eat progressively more intense flavored wings. Okay. Okay. And the milk is here in case you're less of a man than I am. Totally kidding. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to need Let's this milk. This so, no, I knew. If I knew if I said that, you were going to do that. You're going to need it. I'm going to need it. Absolutely. How are you feeling? How do you think that you're going to handle the heat? Do you like spicy food? I, I mean, I'll go a little bit of spicy. I'm a little nervous. I mean, I, I realize that you guys don't know the in depth, but like I'm missing portions of my intestine. And so this is likely to end badly. <laughs> Probably I'm not. actually really nervous what's going to end up on camera. Are you ready for the first sauce and the I mean, first let's question? Do it. I've been told that the Scoville scale on this is 450. I don't know what that means. I don't know what 450 out of what. Yeah, I've right. heard that some really hot things are like 2 million. So this is not too bad. So basically a, a kindergarten child should be able to handle this no problem. <laughs> You say that? No. <laughs> All right, that. so that is your first wing on your right there. Okay, so we're just so you're saying we're a, just diving in. Take a bite. Okay. We're going to see how it goes. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. a small infant could handle this. All right, so question number one. Ready? Mm -hmm. Tell us a time where either growing up or early in your life, where you found yourself in a tough situation that you could not handle the pressure. The first one that jumps to my mind, <laughs> so I went to school in Rhode Island uh, in undergrad. There's school in Rhode Island, uh, not far from an easy drive to the beach. And so a few of my classmates and I would go to the beach and surf. Heard that there was a hurricane coming into town or coming, coming to Rhode Island. And so what I heard was that the best surf is a few days before a hurricane hits. So I thought, no. I, but I missed it by a couple of days. So this was like, it was coming like the next morning. Mm -hmm. And so me and one buddy drove out to the, the beach and I, I was the only guy surfing. I decided I was going to surf uh, that, that afternoon. And I spent hours getting pummeled by waves. By the time I got the energy to go in, I turned around and a massive wave just, cr I mean, just crushed me to the point where I was spinning underwater no. and I couldn't tell which way was up. I clearly couldn't handle the pressure. 
<laughs> I, I got beat up. And I will tell you, shockingly, I survived. I made what? it out. I made it out. Um, but I, I came out of the water with my tail between my legs. I mean, I was... I learned that day it's a bad idea to go try to surf in a hurricane. You don't say. Yeah. That sounds... So I didn't handle the pressure. That sounds horrifying. I'm terrified of drowning, so that sounds absolutely (laughs) horrifying. This is um, actually a local business shout-out. This is from Jay's Diner in Hagerstown, so that's like a little shout-out there. I also heard that these wings are from Turtles in Hagerstown as well, so we got a couple local business (laughs) shout-outs here. I like the product placement (laughs) in this tournament. It's like, you know, we're just trying to be for our city all year long, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All right, so that is the second sauce okay, and ready? this scoville scale is thirty thousand. so we went from 450 <laughs> to thirty thousand. So thirty thousand. i mean you couldn't go to like three thousand no we don't you go to thirty i'm thousand. you ready i'm scared all right let's do it you're taking like humongous yeah. bites i'm taking like i'm being cautious i think just own it <laughs> did she not put it on mine <laughs> well, i guess you're just a champ Oh, it is kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> the second, the second round, you're like, oh, there it is. Got <laughs> a little burn there. So in that first example, you were kind of really only affecting oh. yourself, right? So as now we're in the next level of heat, we're gonna get a little personal here, okay? Um, so as a Family Guy, a lot of responsibility, six kids nonetheless. Um, has there ever been a situation where you've second guessed yourself on a decision? Uh, that you made simply because it, that decision would affect other people, especially when it comes to your family? Yeah, boy, good question. Especially thinking about it while my mouth is a little bit on fire here. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, very quickly, I, I think of uh, our road trip across the country. So our, our family took this road trip across the country a few years ago. And I, I would just say right off the bat, I second guessed the whole idea of getting in a car with six <laughs> kids. Uh, our youngest was an infant at the time. And just right off the bat, you second guess that. Like this is probably not a good idea to drive 7,500 miles uh, in a minivan with a uh, the, the carrier thing on the top, oh my God. which means uh, it drives like a sailboat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going through Kansas and then storms are blowing and it's just ridiculous. But if that wasn't a bad enough idea to second guess that, you know, thinking about just my family, it was one point we went up to the highest, I don't know what you call it, the, the highest navigable road in the continental U.S., okay. meaning it's a maintained road. It's actually yeah. well over 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And as we're driving it up it, up it, Laura is white as a ghost. I'm white knuckling the, mm-hmm. the steering wheel. And literally as we're approaching like, I don't know, it was like 11,000 feet. We're like, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, it's okay, serious note. Thank God we turned around because our, our youngest one, Caleb, who was literally a, like a, not even a month old, started getting uh, altitude sickness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like horrified, okay. No. So, you know, of course, like, as I'm pro- driving this, I'm, I'm second guessing every decision I've ever made in my life. Uh, but okay, let me shift gears though, real quick on, on, a, on, a, on a similar but more serious note, because recognizing not just as, as a husband, as a dad, but also as a pastor, I, I'd say, you know, we've gone through a couple years, really intense stuff. Mm-hmm. As we went into the, the pandemic, I had so many moments when I, you know, you, I met with our leadership team, and I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. I hope. And we would, we would collaborate, and we would consult, but there were so many hard decisions that we were trying to figure out. How do, you, how do you respond to a global disease 
as a pastor, as a church, are, are we doing the right thing by following the law and shutting down? But then what is our alternative? And, you know, knowing that people's spiritual lives are at stake, knowing that people are scared. And, man, I, we made so many hard decisions in a very short window of time. And I would say I rarely made decisions without second-guessing them. Absolutely. And that's something probably most people wouldn't know. You make hard decisions under pressure and you think you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You say, God, I hope. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. there you go. That, actually, that was my stall tactic before we get into number three. <laughs> before we go into the next one. <laughs> yeah. All right, this one, the title's a little scary. Genuinely hard. <laughs> this one, the school scale, apparently is 50,000. The, the subtitle is The Elixir of Capsaicin Extremis. <laughs> yeah. This is a flushing agent. Oh, no. Okay. How about it? So you ready? All right. All right. I I'm, again, I'm, I'm just going in. I'm just diving in. Are you regretting it? I'm regretting it now. <laughs> oh, no. I think I should just eat the whole thing. That is good. That one's, got a, good, that one's got a good yeah. flavor, though. There's like... Apparently now... I see an extremist. Done with sauce number three, the pressure's on. For a lot of us, I think that we would all probably say that we would like to avoid pressure mm-hmm. when possible. Um, but as a leader, do you think that there are pressures um, that we have to face because the consequence of avoiding that pressure would be worse than actually facing it? I think right off the bat, my first, my gut instinct is to first define even being leaders. Because I think so many people are gonna hear that question and go, well, that's good, that doesn't include me, right? And uh, something I say in my home, right, to, to my, do- my daughters and my two older sons, right? So each of them have younger siblings. And I'll say, remember, everything you do, your siblings are watching. So even to my six-year-old, because he's got a four-year-old brother, when we correct him, we say, you cannot do that. Your little brother's watching. My point is this. We're all leaders. Every single one of you have somebody watching you. There's none of you that are exempt from doing something that doesn't have somebody watching you, which then means, so now the question is kind of like, times when you you have to put aside your own safety, what meaning what feels safe or what feels comfortable because it's for the betterment of others. You have to do what's right or you have to step into something that's uncomfortable. And I would say, one, that's, that's leadership. Uh, just thinking off the top of my head, leadership is a willingness to go first. Encourage, because it's the right thing to do. That's leadership. So how many of us, we have to be willing to go first. Others are smarter. Others are more skilled. Others are more capable, but we're willing to go first. And immediately I think about, you know, um, many years ago with 9-11, right? You have, you have these um, firefighters and first responders who rushed in when everyone else is rushing out. And I think the question then is this idea of when the pressure is on, when it's a dangerous or difficult situation, who's rushing in? when everyone else is running away. And for you and I, there's this challenge. Are we willing to rush in when others are rushing out? And then why? So in in that, so you think about 9-11, you think about our law enforcement, you think about our soldiers, people that are willing to put their lives on the line, even to the extent that it may cost them their life, Mm -hmm. because they counted the cost and they said, the the cause or what is at stake is more important than my own well-being. So they want to put their life on the line for freedom, for the well-being and the safety of others. So now let's make that personal. Um, do, do I have a deep enough purpose? Do I understand my cause of life enough that I'm willing to run in when others are running away? And I'm willing to stand up 
when others are standing down. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the judgment that there is something more important than my fears. Yeah, That's powerful. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. All right, how are you feeling? Yeah, let's do it. You feeling good? All right, I mean, my, you know, my lips little, are tingling. Yeah, it's tingly. No. I may pass out. But, <laughs> yeah. All right, this one is from the Hot Ones show. Okay, this one's called Da Bomb. Yeah, it, okay. it says Beyond Insanity. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, the Scoville scale on this one, ready? So we've done 30,000, 50,000, ready? It is 119,700. <laughs> One of the ingredients oh. is something nuclear. Oh, great. I think we're going to literally explode. We'll, we'll see right. how it goes. Well, All right, you ready? I mean, I, I mean that, that's a in. lot. That's a lot on there. Just, so okay. Let's just go for it. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I'm going for the milk. I don't even care. No, don't. That's right. I'm not gonna do it. Hello, darkness, my old friend. See, you're crying. I'm crying too. <laughs> you know, my eyes are sweating. <laughs> Come on, you gotta just just drink the milk. I can handle my mouth feeling like it's being stabbed with a million little needles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have a question? Um. Okay. <clears throat> no, there's not a question. I have oh, okay. to um, transition us into the next uh, part here. You gotta suck it up. This is horrible. What was that? 195? 119. 119? Mm -hmm. Could you imagine a million? Somebody said there was some one that was 2 million. I feel like I'm having surgery. Wow, I'm here. On my face. <laughs> I'm just gonna have tears in my eyes the whole next segment. Jesus, okay? take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> my am. brain is burning. I'm ready. The All neurons right. in my head are cooking. <laughs> I hear them exploding inside. I'm not touching the milk. All right. <laughs> I'm not doing it. We'll see by the end here. All right. Yeah, go ahead. So, we've heard a lot of good examples of. Poise under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Poise under pressure, yeah. We're trying to live yeah. that out right now in this it. moment. Um, and there are plenty of examples in, in the Bible of this, right? Uh, but one story in particular was a group of three men who faced literal fire. And I can't touch my <gasps> eyes right. either. Right. Because then that'll be a worse situation. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You were, you, were, you, were going, you were going deep. All right, I was. The Bible. You know, we can try to be serious yeah. here. Okay. All right, a lot of great examples in the Bible of mm -hmm. people poised under pressure, um, under the fire. But this story of three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Yeah. They were faced with an intense situation where a king asked them to worship a god that was not theirs. That's right. And the punishment for not doing so was literally being thrown in a furnace so they were faced with literal fire and they still refused to do so because they wanted to stand up for their faith right yeah. so can you unpack that the story for us a little bit more and like what can we take out of it how can we be poised under pressure in a situation like that like this um and the fires in our lives 
first, I feel like my mouth is in a furnace. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what the scale Um, of that was. Yeah. Trying to wax spiritual and be a pastor here. Obviously, us doing this, you know, I was able to write some notes in preparation, even though I wasn't sure exactly how this was all going to play out. I hope what we can give to everyone who's uh, partnering with us and, and joining us in this sermon is your faith will face fire. Your faith will be tested in the fire. Regardless of what you believe, when you believe, you will face fire. And so then the, the key then is what lessons can we learn from the fire when we're facing fire? And then how do you develop courage in the fire? And so I think that's the first thing I want to give you, and so I'll kind of unpack that story a little bit more, but first thing I want to give everyone who's, who's joining us and you're, you're, you're partnering with us, you're laughing at our expense, thank you for that, <laughs> but it is this, courage in the fire is staying true to God. So let me give a little bit more context to this story about you know the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting, Abednego getting thrown in the, the fiery furnace. Uh, first, we're talking about an Old Testament story, so this is before the time of Jesus, so this is before Christmas, before Easter, before Jesus' death and resurrection, right? So we're going back to an ancient time, actually about 600 years before the time of Jesus. The story is about how God chose a nation, and he was revealing himself through a nation, and uh, he has this chosen nation that he's revealing his story, his character through. The nation of Israel um, got divided into two nations, the nation of Israel, which got conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. Remember BC, right? So we're counting, we're counting down. And then you have the nation of Judah, who got conquered by the Babylonians in 586 BC. So this is only a few years after this. So what I mean by conquered is literally the nation of Babylon came and took the people of Judah captive, dragged them off to Babylon. So among those captives was Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who that's how they're known in their homeland. When they get dragged into exile, uh, the Babylonians change their names. You have Hananiah, who when he gets to Babylon, they change his name. His name, Hananiah, means uh, Yahweh has shown grace. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Man, back in, in ancient times, their names really meant something. And so here's this guy, Hananiah. His name is his story. God shows grace. Well, the Babylonians changed all their names, and so they changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of Aku. They changed it to represent a god, a, the gods of their, of their world, right. of their beliefs. So it's a pagan god. It was the moon god, and Aku. And so his name got changed from, you know, Yahweh shows grace to... This guy's the command of Aku. Uh, Mishael, who, uh, his name means, um, who is what God is? A little bit of chest beating, right? Like, who is what God is? The Babylonians changed his name to Meshach, which is, who is what Aku is? <sighs> Azariah, Yahweh has helped. Think about a name like that. Dragged off into exile. Conquered. God has helped me. Where's God? And not only that, but then they change his name to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, servant of the pagan gods. And, and the reason I took the time to unpack those names is when you know when you hear the story, you just think, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, here are three guys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who were exiled, taken captive, names changed, forced to live a Babylonian life. Now, in case, again, in case you need a little more insight, 
fast forward to the end of the Bible. The last book of the Bible is called Revelation. And when John the Revelator is trying to help people understand how bad things are going to get in the end times, he, he uses the concept of the great Babylon. I mean, the Antichrist and wickedness will get so bad that it'll be like ancient Babylon. So they were living in like the worst possible time of absolute evil. And here's these three guys who are brought in. And, and then to add insult to injury, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar says, not only are you guys going to have your names changed, be forced to live under our culture, our wickedness, but he, he erects this giant statue kind of in homage to Nebo, the god. And then the, all the peoples taken from all these other cultures, right? So you're talking about a multicultural Babylon. So I think of a major city today with people from all over the world, all different religions. He brings them all in. And the one thing they have to do as a great expression of loyalty to King Nebuchadnezzar is to bow in worship to this statue, in worship to Nebo. Everybody. Think about it. You have all these exiles from Israel, Judah. You have all these exiles from all different parts of the world. And as, as um, the trumpet sounds, as the music kicks in, every forehead hits the ground. Except three. Wow. So let's read a little bit here. Um, as you get, it says, Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. What, what, what words I really want to pull out of that that's important for you to hear is all, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped. There are moments in our life when the music will kick in and everyone around us bows to the gods of this age. And there's this pressure of conformity and compliance that we just, we bow to. You don't give it a second's thought, you just bow. Everyone else is doing it, and we just yield. Many, almost all of the Jews did that, yeah. except three. Um, so let me challenge and remind you that not only will your faith be tested, but courage is staying true to God, and staying true to God means that I believe that God is worthy of my utmost loyalty. Listen to me. In this moment, what, what Nebuchadnezzar was doing was he was demanding absolute loyalty. Uh, you can worship whoever you want. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can, you can have your truth so long as it submits under your devotion to Babylon. So long as it submits under your willingness to bow to Nebo. Even today, fast forward 2,600 years, we live in a culture where there is the pressure you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as it stays between your ears and behind your eyes. As long as it bows to the gods of this age. As long as it stays quiet and you still bow. And what, what King Nebuchadnezzar was doing is he was demanding loyalty under. Courage is saying that I have one true loyalty and it's not to King Nebuchadnezzar and it's not to the statue to Nebo. I will bow to no one. I will not bow my devotion to God to anyone or anything. So let's keep going here. Obviously, this would be, so this isn't just about worship. This is about rebellion. This is the, the early rebels of the American Revolution thumbing their nose at the redcoats. This is, this is a revolution. 
against the nation. And so Nebuchadnezzar is going to, he has to crush this because just three people rebelling against an empire can bring it down. And so he goes, absolutely not. And so he already had warned him. Anybody who doesn't bow is going in the furnace and the furnace would have been within sight. It's kind of like having armed guards right there just waiting to take anybody's life who doesn't, you know, immediately submit. And so they, they bring these guys in. Wow, I just got a, a nice little second uh, wave of the uh, devil bomb. It's, I'm going to call this the, Neb, the Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, sauce here. Okay, uh, so they bring these three guys to, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And by the way, uh, during this time, there, there are people who want to bring Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael down. They hate these guys because Daniel has been promoted to one of the highest ranking officers in the nation. And these are his buddies. So they're more than happy to report them. So they get brought, they get brought in, and this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship this image I made, very good. He goes, look, look I, I get it. You got a little excited. You're a little ambitious. I, I'm, I'm going to offer some clemency here. Mm-hmm. Next time, when the music plays, just bow. Mm-hmm. You're going to get called in. You're going to get sat down. A close friend's going to sit you down and pull you aside. Somebody's going to post something on your page. Say, hey, that was a little extreme. You went a little too far. Okay, can we tone this down? I'm going I'm to show you some mercy. This time, submit. But if you don't, worship. Now it's not just submit, it's a threat. You will be thrown in the fire. You'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God, listen to this, this is important. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It puts it right in there. Look, let's be very clear here. If you don't, you'll be thrown in the fire. You will be destroyed. Then what God's going to rescue you? Nobody's taking you out of that fire. And it, yeah, it's absolutely a challenge. And um, he said, this is the God. I am God. You submit. Okay, so let, let's, let's listen to uh, the response of, of, of these three Hebrew men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. You notice that? He is able to deliver us from it. Mm-hmm. He will most certainly deliver us from your hand because either we're going to get burned up or he's going to rescue us. But either way, we're going to be delivered from you. Mm-hmm. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. Yeah. That's my favorite part. Wow. <laughs> so let, let's put this in a you know, practical application here, right? Courage stands when the odds are against you. Listen, church. Courage stands when the odds are against you. When the pressure is on, don't be, don't be silly like me putting yourselves in high-pressure situations that are just dumb, but you don't have to. The world around you is going to put pressure on you. And when the pressure is on, courage stands when the odds are against you. And it doesn't just stand in its own strength. Here is here is the, the people. Here here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go. God is able to deliver us. God will most deli- most definitely deliver us from you, even if He doesn't deliver us from the fire. We will not bow. 
there's got to be something in us, in you, in your faith that says, I trust that my God is able to deliver me. My God will deliver me from this horrible situation one way or another. And, but even if he doesn't do it the way I imagine, I'm going to trust him anyway. And I will not bow in conformity, in compliance to, to the false gods that have been erected in my generation and my culture. Let, let me give a few quick thoughts here on this idea of standing when the odds are against you. I, th I think what's interesting, you, you ever been invited, you know, in this context, here we are eating, and so it makes me think about getting invited, uh, inviting people into our home. If I invite people over my home, they're my guests. But also, when they're in my home, it's my rules, right? Like, you go into somebody's home, you say, like, hey, do I take off my shoes? Do I not, right? So if you come my, in my home, most of the time, we want shoes off. People will ask, and sometimes if we're just going through the house, we're going to the, back, the backyard, fine. But by and large, we take our shoes off. Um, but in my house, my rules. Most of us think that Christianity is the house of our nation. I mean, America is a Christian nation, and it's not, right? You've heard this before, right? Like, so we think we get to set the rules. We don't. No, no. When you're a guest in someone else's house, it's their rules. And I think that's the challenge, right? Right off the bat, what you quickly discover is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understand. I'm, on, I'm in someone else's home. Their rules. And the rules of Babylon are you don't bow, you get thrown in the fire. And they say, we understand that we're guests in this home, but I have convictions that go deeper than the house rules. Right. Let me be very clear. You and I are guests in this world. This world is not our home. You're not home yet. And so long as you're here, there's a different set of rules, and you're just a guest. And so what you do is you understand, what are the rules that I have to follow? And are there any rules that violate my faith that I go, even if, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow. I will not. Courage strengthens me to stand when the odds are against me. And so there's not a lot of things, but I think that in our generation, our culture, there are moments when I have to be willing to stand up and stand out. It means that I'm willing to be seen. I'm willing to be visible when others are yielding and hiding and invisible. I, I have the courage of my convictions to do what is right. And, and please hear me, because I feel like you could hear this and you could twist it and you could manipulate it. It could just make you a raging, you know, jerk on social media, right? And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting your faith shine. And in fact, that's really what I want to get to. Let, let, me, let me take you one step further. Let, let's go to um, verse 22 and 23. Obviously, when they respond this way, the king gets angry. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot, the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, meaning the, the King Nebuchadnezzar goes, throw him in the fire right now. And he says, make it so hot. So literally, as they're dragging Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw him in the furnace, the, the soldiers are being killed by the fire. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Let me make it very clear to you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because you can misunderstand this story, and you can think that this story is about how God gives you the courage to... Uh, endure the fire and that the point of this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is God will be with you. God will bring you through the fire. Yay. And, and in this moment, the real point of the story is that these guys are willing to face the fire even if God doesn't rescue them from the fire. How? <laughs> I like this. 
courage burns like a fire. Courage burns with fire in you so you don't fear the fire around you. Come on. Come on. Let, let, let's put that in context. These guys weren't afraid of the fire because they were the fire. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Throw us in the fire? Why? We've got a fire burning in us. Fire's not afraid of fire. Listen to me. When you've got a fire in you, you don't fear the fire. This doesn't just preach good. This is how Christians live boldly and courageously. When you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit lives in your spirit. And, and the, John the Baptist, when he was speaking about the coming Messiah, he said, I baptize with water, the Messiah will come. He will baptize with the spirit and with fire. Meaning, when you believe in Jesus by faith, you receive God's spirit and he baptizes you with fire. What does fire do? It purifies, it refines and it lives inside of you as a burning fire. God is referred to as a consuming fire. When God is in you, you have fire in you. You don't fear the fire. Now, what does that do, right? The, what it does is it allows people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire in them is light. They were willing to be a light in darkness. The fire in them um, burned Right? It, it, it consumed darkness. And they said, fine, throw us in the fire. We will not bow. At some point, the fire of God in you, the Holy Spirit of God in you, you don't have to fear the fire. You are the fire. Come on, church. Listen to me. We don't fear the fire. We are the fire. And we have the fire. And if you've been through the fire of faith, God is refining you. He's purifying you. And he's filling your, your life with a bold fire from heaven so that you have the courage to be a bright light, courage to be a witness, courage to live boldly your faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm excited or if my mouth is on fire. <laughs> I need to pause. <sighs> now, let me give you one more piece. They're thrown in the fire. They don't fear the fire because they are the fire. Courage is a fire, so you don't have to fear the fire. Listen to this, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt up to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, listen to this, servants of the most high God, come out, come out, come here. A couple things about this. First, their life, the fire in them, burned brighter than the fire around them so that they were able to be bright lights of the witness to the light of God. They shined the love of God. They, didn't, they weren't angry. They weren't like raising their fist against the nation, raising their fist against Nebo. All they had to do was just stand when everyone else bowed. Then they get thrown in the fire. And they say, but even if our God doesn't deliver us, the story is not, I will go into the fire because I, I absolutely believe God will bring me through it. These guys went into the fire, even if God doesn't. Some of you... You, you've positioned yourself that if God doesn't, then you won't. Please hear me. God can. God does. But even if he doesn't, 
trust him. Even if he doesn't, then he's doing something different. He's doing something better. I'm going to trust his will no matter what. And in this moment, God decides to show up in the fire. Another man, the fourth, there's another in the fire. And, he, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't have words for this. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't have words for an actual real living God. He worships made up gods and he knows it. He's like, I make up gods and I create statues for them. I tell our bales to bow down. Nebuchadnezzar's not bowing. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He knows that this Nebo thing is just nonsense. He, and then he meets the real living God. And suddenly he goes, wait, wait, who is that in the fire? He looks like the son of the gods. He goes, you are servants of the most high God. By the way, he says that to a guy who he had renamed servant of Aku. And he goes, you guys are actually servants of the true living God. And the point is this. Let's just talk about these three guys thrown in the fire. You are never alone in the fire. God has been through the fire for you. God is in the fire with you. Regardless of whether he delivers you from the fire, you are not promised that you will avoid the fire. You are not promised that you will come through the fire. What you are promised, the point of this story, is that God will be with you in the fire. I don't know if he's with me with my mouth on fire, <laughs> but I know he's with us in the fire. Listen to me. Who is this fourth like the son of the gods? Many scholars believe that what, what the three Hebrews experienced was Jesus pre-incarnate. I mean, before Jesus showed up as a baby, born in Bethlehem 600 years later, who they encountered was the divine, the living, the one true son of God, Jesus showing up in the furnace. Why does that matter? How do you know that you're never alone? Because we know that 600 years later, Jesus descends from heaven to earth enters into the furnace of the fire of our life. What, what really causes us all this trouble? What were they really bowing to? It's this problem, this curse that lives inside of every one of us, sin. Sin separates us from relationship with God and doesn't just set us on a life course toward you know, frustration, ruin, and destruction, but toward a forever in the fire. Right? What a, what a horrible thought. God was unwilling to let us spend eternity in the furnace of fire separated from him. And so he, he came to rescue us. Jesus entered into the fire to take on our sin. He died on a cross to take on our guilt, our shame, our judgment. He didn't just die. He came through the fire of the furnace and he came out the other side out of an empty tomb. And when Jesus died and rose again, he died and rose for us. And he offers you and I new and forever life. And so you don't just have courage. You start with faith. And this isn't just faith in faith. This isn't faith that you and I can survive the uh, craziness of this, these hot one tests. No, this is faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Can I challenge you that if you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he wants to be the one who rescues you in the fire. Would you put your faith in Jesus? We're going to put a, a QR code up on the screen. I'm going to make that available for you. If you're, if you're saying yes to Jesus, would you make that commitment right now? And then would you let us know? Scan that QR code, fill out that form. One of our pastors wants to follow up with you. Now you've said yes to Jesus. You're going to feel pressure all around you. And the pressure 
<laughs> don't be like me in a hurricane getting tossed around and then just, you know, getting beat up and running out of the water with your tail between your legs. You, you endure pressure, recognize that there's something more important. You're, you're a leader to those around you. And, and most importantly, your faith will be tested. Courage gives you a devotion to the one true God. Courage gives you the strength to stand against all odds. Courage is a fire that burns, so you're not afraid of the fire. And courage gives you that understanding to recognize that I'm never alone in the fire. I want to challenge you and encourage you. Can I take a moment right now? I'm just going to pray over you. And uh, let, let, let's believe that as I'm praying that God is going to meet each of us with supernatural courage. That, that God's going to put a fire inside of every one of you that burns brighter than the fire around you. Jesus, what we need is you. Thank you for entering the fire of the furnace of sin, of death, of eternal judgment. Thank you for rescuing us and giving us new and forever life so that we don't ever have to face an eternal fire. Thank you that your spirit becomes fire in us, blazing bright with the light of love. Yes, God, of love. Now fill us with that fire to be a bold witness for you. Fill us with the kind of love that burns and shines brightly so that we could be the brightest possible example of your love and of your light. God, for individuals right now that are walking through a fiery situation, would you remind them that they are never alone, that you're with them, and because you're with them, they're gonna make it through. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.